continue. So, so, so yeah, so they're challenging, you know, the, the process in that the person who was hired um, was not the same person in terms of the job spec and the requirements were not met. Mm. And which is very fair because we've had this parliament government and SME so many times where people don't have the qualifications get the job. And I think, you know, it's all about the fairness element of it. Um, but it's a bit of a hard one because this kind of role, the relevant experience does count. Yes. And uh, I, I, it is very important because um, he does have a lot of ex- industry experience. And I don't think necessarily qualifications are the only thing that counts. All the most important because mm. we've seen how a board of CAs allowed Steinoff to fail. Exactly, exactly. But I guess so no I one. Think, the, the issue here is, uh, you know, I, I don't think there would have been this massive furor. Uh, nor is there a question of the experience or expertise of uh, Mr. Poseidonote. There wouldn't be this issue if he had been selected as the preferred candidate in the first round of interviews. Uh, and then, of course, the board would have had to explain why uh, they chose him, uh, you know, uh, at variance to whatever had been put in the advert. Yeah, I think also, you know, even what was put in the advert, you know, how, how relevant is it for the role? So I think, you know, mm. the board doesn't need to take accountability on this and that you put out the job spec. And, you know, they probably put out maybe the wrong job stick. And, you know, sort of honest dashboard on the board and how they went about this process. I think it's, it's completely of the board, the board, you know, that's their fault because they want to put out, they say they want this kind of person. And then they went to, you know, maybe the opposite direction because he doesn't even have you know, any of the qualifications when he's close to getting those that are required. So I think, you know, the board takes the blame. And I think it, it, it's only fair, it, I think it's fair, you know, to be asked for, the, you know, the, what they asked for be reflected but i think the board can get away with saying you know it's at their discretion and they can make changes mm, mm, mm. and not i mean when, when we take a look at at mango here probably not in the same financial fortunes as uh, it's a, a mother company which is south african airways but um uh, i mean what is this going to mean i guess uh, in light of all of the growing calls for uh, probably the shareholder representative here to step back. I mean, uh, we've heard uh, some of the issues that are happening at ESCOM. We've heard, uh, you know, uh, uh, allegations of interference there and uh, also hearing, uh, I guess, uh, about what has been happening at some of the other SOEs. Uh, 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 how, how does this contribute to some of that conversation? So I'd like to think that the problem in Mango isn't as dire as our other SOEs. So in that sense, um, you know, you know, Mango did have a sort of a profit a few years ago. Mm. But I think the business model of, of, of Mango is much more viable because it's in the local market. You know, you can very much calculate how you're going to generate revenue. You, you know, there's only limited amounts of routes. There's only so much competition in the market. And you will find, you know, people to fill up those planes. So I think, you know, the turnaround strategy is much easier. And I think, you know, it doesn't require as much hands-on from, from you know, you know the, the public enterprises ministry. So I think as far as Mango is concerned, because the problems are, I think, much easier to solve than, you know, a national carrier trying to carry people in the rest of the world when there's lots of competition from outside outside carriers. Here in our markets, we've got, you know, there are some players, there's still room for Mango to drive. It's probably just being more efficient and maximizing and being on time because we've seen how Flysafe came in and they did great. Mm. They thrived. And you know why? Because they just came in, got good customer service, they prioritize making sure they always fly on time, they never late, and you know, people are now switching over to flight because they never late. Yeah, and, and I, I guess they got some simple. nice legroom as well. I mean. No, exactly. So it's a very yeah. simple thing that they got right. It's not like mm. it's a, a non viable business model. So I think, you know, I think it will be easier for, you know, to let the board be independent sure. and drive this and no need to interfere. 
because the virgin school is a draining, you know, quite a big drain on the government. Yeah, yeah. Now, Rwanda, I want us to pause there for a second and uh, take a brief break. When we come back, uh, we'll take a look at what's happening to the palladium price and also manufacturing production down. And uh, I want us to also talk about the drama there uh, with the Celsius creditors and uh, that telecom deal, which I thought was off the table. Seven minutes it is before 8 p.m. And uh, it's our wrap of uh, the uh, top business stories that are moving markets uh, on this uh, Tuesday. Now, uh, uh, we took took a look uh, before we went to the break at the story of the BMF uh, uh, petitioning the Johannesburg High Court uh, to uh, look into the validity of the appointment process that uh, appointed the CEO of Mango. But, uh, Nolwanje, let's now take a look at the palladium price, which uh, continues to rally alongside many of the other platinum group metals that have certainly had a a very great year in 2019, now soaring beyond that 1,900 US dollar mark and uh, hovering, and I guess uh, maybe creeping up on that 2,000 dollar mark. Yeah, I think it was a good day for PGMs. All around, you know, positivity um, in terms of the movement of the prices. And the main reason behind this is because of the, you know, ESCOM blockages and outages um, that resulted in Many of our mining companies, you know, cutting down on production and closing down shafts, especially for underground mining. And what this does, it creates a deficit in terms of supply. That means the supply is, 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 is much lower because of the lower production. And as a result, the prices go up. I think the relevance for us is that we are actually the biggest platinum producer in the world and we're the second biggest palladium producer in the world. So, you know, after Russia. So, when we cut supply of those two metals, um, it makes a big difference in the global market. And as a result, the prices went up. Gold, we've fallen off. I mean, we were in the top three, but now we're down eight. So the movement of gold price won't be the same. But also the key difference is that the supply-demand dynamics for the palladium and platinum is different in that you still have some demand because of the you know, move to electronic cars and the catalyst and, and, and the shift between those two metals. There's some demand, whereas in the gold demand is not as much. So the movement in the gold is not as much because of that, because the demand dynamics are not in favor. But for the platinum and palladium, it is much bigger. Mm-hmm. And, you, you know, when you take a look, I guess, at uh, what some of these uh, metals are used for, some of us might not be familiar with that, uh, which might also account for uh, the rally and uh, some of the drivers of the spectacular performance that we've seen uh, for PGMs. What, what, what is it that they're used for? So palladium and platinum are used in catalytic converters for cars. So between the two of them, they actually accept, you can substitute between the two of them um, when you're using so what's happening now is that there's been this huge shift in terms of, um, you know, having cleaner energy. And this huge, you know, especially in Europe, they've got these certain targets whereby, you know, certain, I think 2030, the use of, you know, very um, heavy fuel-intensive and coal and, and, and petrol-intensive cars should be, you know, be out of the system and, you know, have more electronic cars. And electric, electric vehicles require more use of the palladium and platinum. Mm. And, you know, depending on, you know, what you're using, you can substitute one for the other. But the demand of the metal has grown with the more interest in, you know, electronic use of electric vehicles. So that's the current dynamic that we have in terms of demand. And also, they're also using normal, normal production of cars anyway. So, you know, with any growth in production, you know, it also used there. But I think, you know, from a switch from a switch, a switch from you know normal cars to electric vehicles, I think palladium becomes more in favor and better metal to use. But between those two, it's mostly most demand comes out of the vehicle market. Mm-hmm. Let's now shift our attention to uh, Cell C, where it seems that some of the accreditors here 
uh, I guess anticipating a, a slight shave or, or taking a shave if uh, the recapitalization part that the management team on the board wants uh, happens, uh, are maybe, I guess, cozying up to this uh, uh, takeover deal by Telcom, which might mean uh, they get close on 90 cents for each rand, uh, which uh, might be a better outcome than, uh, I guess, the uh, muted recapitalization and turnaround that the, uh, that the Celsi team wants. Yeah, so, you know, obviously the, you know, the talks fell through between Celsius and Telcom. And I think, you know, Telcom came through and they also had the kind of requirements what they need for the deal itself to go through. Um, but the shareholders of, of Celsius were against it. So um, Blue Label owns 45% of Celsius. So they would have any overriding decision in terms of what happens. What well, the problem is now is that, you know, the, the shareholders are against Telcom's decision and they want to go ahead with the restructure. But the debtors, and Telcom has got about 9 billion rand of debt. So the debtors are very important in whatever happens in, in this transaction. You know, they prefer the Telcom deal because they see it as more favorable in terms of what they can get. Mm. And the only way they can do this is, you know, pursuing business rescue or liquidation. And, you know, obviously that's like a worst case scenario. We've seen, you know, with SAA what happens. Um, but as a, as a way to get Telcom in, because they probably think that, you know, the viability of the business is much better with Telcom. But, you know, nothing's ever that simple. Mm, mm, mm. And then the last one here before we let you go, uh, manufacturing numbers down and uh, certainly now contributing to uh, successive quarters that we've seen of negative growth on uh, in terms of our factories. I mean, this comes on the back of a report that we saw, uh, I think, two weeks ago indicating that many of the factories across uh, our country are working uh, under their, their full capacity and uh, probably two-thirds uh, of their capacity in use, uh, certainly continuing to add to the bad news coming out of the manufacturing sector. Yeah, so, you know, consensus, consensus is expecting, you know, around minus 2.5% for this number. So it's actually much better than consensus at 0.8% down. So it was a good number, but people weren't even looking at the, you know, they weren't being positive about it. I think they were more worried about what the next number is going to be. Mm. Um, naturally, manufacturing is, 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 is requires energy. It requires you know, electricity. And they're going to be very heavily impacted by this, this load shedding. So I think for from and, you know the industry, it's, 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 this load shedding is really bad for the industry. And I think everyone is now factoring a recession for you know, a very bad quarter just based on this load shedding alone. So I think it's and the manufacturing sector has been under pressure for years now. It's really been you know suffering, and you know you know we've lost you know, some some important you know car makers have left the country. So it's been on a continuous decline, and you know the the ESCOM problem just makes things worse, and it's also bad for sentiment. We saw the rent go out over this because of the fact that you know often these numbers come out, you know every economist is readjusting the the GDP for the fourth quarter even down, um, showing much more weakness for the manufacturing sector. And the manufacturing sector is a quite a relevant contribution to our GDP. Mm. So it's not like, you know, there's, the, the fourth impact is, is very small. You know, they, they're quite material. So it really is a big, going to be a big drag on our GDP when you kind of get the numbers for four year and as well as the last quarter of the year. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Nolwandle, that's where we're going to have to leave it. Really, really appreciate you taking time out to speak to us. And uh, yeah, I hope we can catch up with you uh, in the first uh, few weeks of January next year. And uh, I wish you a great festive season, compliments of the season, and uh, have a great uh, Christmas and a happy new year to you. Thank you, you too. Awesome stuff. That there was uh, investment analyst at Emergence Investment Managers, Nolwandle Mtombeni, helping us to uh, wrap up the top business and investment stories that are moving markets uh, on this Tuesday.